As um, we center our attention around God's Word, I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 3. Last week we were in John chapter 1, um, and as we go through this season of Lent, we're focusing on different interactions that Jesus had with different people and the ways in which if you're around Jesus, it will transform you. And so last week we spent time in the, the calling where Philip came to Nathaniel and said, I found the Savior. And Nathaniel said, it can't be from Nazareth. This isn't right. To which Philip's response was, come and see for yourself. Come make up your mind. Come be around this one called Jesus and see if it changes you in the way that it's changed me. As we think about that beginning part of Lent, that we live in the world as a group of Philips to the world of Nathaniels that would say, the church, can anything good come from there? And that we as Philips, disciples made missionaries, <clears throat> have the task of saying, come and see. And now today we come to Jesus having a talk with Nicodemus. And it's a good thing to remember, as, as soon as we hear the word Pharisee, we often think, ooh, the bad guys. But hold on just a second to our prejudgment of Nicodemus. And there's some things that he doesn't get. And yet, even Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, Nicodemus the Pharisee is drawn to Jesus. He doesn't want to be public about it. In fact, you'll hear in the reading of the word that he comes to Jesus at night because he doesn't maybe want everybody to know that he's having this conversation with Jesus, this teacher. But Nicodemus the Pharisee nonetheless comes to Jesus. And I wonder... <clears throat> as we think about Lent and transformation, if Nicodemus is transformed by being around Jesus. I guess we'll find out. Friends, before we read from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, let's pray. Speak to us today, O God. Speak to us your truth. As we turn our attention in heart and mind to your word, May you speak to us afresh. May we put ourselves in the shoes of Nicodemus. May we be in his conversation with you and think about how we want him to be changed and transformed by being around you, Jesus. May that be the same for us. So speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Speak fresh to us in a way that, that moves us towards transformation in our heart and in our mind and in our lives. All of this we pray in the holy name of Christ. Amen. Read from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And at the end of the reading of God's word, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you are grateful, I invite you to respond with the simple words, thanks be to God. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, 
Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you, do not and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> and I know if you're reading along, you might almost feel cheated that we stopped at verse 15. Why wouldn't we keep going to John 3:16, one of the most commonly known Bible verses? Let's just say we'll get there. And also, if you have one of those red-letter Bibles that puts the words of Jesus in red as opposed to the rest of the, the font that's in black, it's interesting that some <clears throat> choose to make the rest of the chapter red, that Jesus would have said those words to Nicodemus, and others leave it in black as if it's John kind of summarizing all that Jesus has said. For now, let's just hold it together as it's all part of God's word. But to focus in on Nicodemus, <clears throat> this curious Pharisee who wants to know a little bit more about Jesus, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he comes to him at night, as we said, so that it can be under wraps. We're not quite sure. Nicodemus is not all in on following Jesus. And in fact, not only as a Pharisee, but also a pretty higher up one, that he's part of the Jewish ruling council, Nicodemus actually has a lot to lose by following Jesus. That might not be something that's as true for us. We give thanks regularly that we worship freely. We don't have the same things to lose that Nicodemus had at stake to lose by following Jesus. It makes sense that he came at night. And throughout the Gospel of John, there's different episodes that are specifically said happen at night. And they're for all different reasons of secrecy. But for Nicodemus, he doesn't want to be quite found out following Jesus yet. But he also can't help himself. <clears throat> Nicodemus can see plainly that what Jesus is doing is not just something that he's doing on his own. And so he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. We know that you're from God. No one could do these signs and miracles and all the other stuff that you do if they weren't from God. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He wants to be closer to God. He's arranged his life around trying to be closer to God. And so he knows that if Jesus is going to bring him closer to God, then he has to at least have this conversation, albeit secretly. 
And that's where Jesus first pushes back. And there's kind of a back and forth throughout the Gospels on signs and miracles. Often the big sign, the big splash, is the thing that makes people believe. They can't believe what's happened, and it draws them in a little bit closer. But Jesus always pushes some tension on signs and miracles too. That signs and miracles are not the way that faith is sustained. They're the big explosion that might draw people in, get their attention, but then they're not enough to keep things going. You can't sustain your faith on spiritual highs of waiting for the next big moment to the next big moment. And so Jesus often pushes back a little bit. And in the case of Nicodemus, who's a wise, thoughtful, educated, well-read teacher, Jesus has to kind of rearrange the questions and rearrange the terms of engagement that Nicodemus has started on. Because Nicodemus, like many others, especially early in the Gospels, it's the signs and miracles and wonders that's kind of drawn him in. That's Jesus' credibility in the eyes of Nicodemus, is the signs and wonders. But Jesus, in verse 3, already is starting to push a little bit on how Nicodemus is seeing things. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. We'll get to the born again piece. But Jesus is already subtly rearranging how we see the world. And this is part of how we are transformed by Christ. Nicodemus has seen the signs and wonders. And Jesus is already saying, no, 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 no. It's not just about the stuff that we do. I want you to see the kingdom, the whole vision of God's kingdom. Not just a few people who are healed, not just a few people who are fed, but there's something bigger and better out there that I need you to see. And I need you to see the whole world differently to catch a glimpse of it. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Everybody can see the signs and wonders. Everybody can see the acts. And even today, everybody could see and assess the acts of the church, what the church does and doesn't do. But to see the kingdom only comes with transformation, only comes with being born again, being born not only of flesh, but of water and of spirit. So Jesus is saying, if you want to really be transformed, if you want to be closer to God and get to know God, you need to see the world differently. Not just this, that, or the other. Not like the crowds who are looking for the next spiritual high, the next kind of charismatic thing that will bring them up a little bit. Not the next thing that impresses them. Not the next thing that is marketed to them. But rather, you need to be born again to see the world differently. To see God's kingdom at work. And you can only see this way if you're born again. There's something deep that has to change if we are to be born again and to see this whole kingdom vision. Otherwise, we're kind of limited to just seeing the signs and wonders. But now, let's make sure we're not too hard on Nicodemus. We'll be appropriately hard on him the way Jesus is, but we also have the advantage of we're comfortably reading this on Sunday morning, and we're not in the moment with Jesus. And and Nicodemus has his reputation on the line. He has a lot at stake here. But here's the other thing about Nicodemus that I think we should be mindful of this morning. We might actually have a lot in common with Nicodemus, which is why he's a great person for us to look at the interaction with Jesus to see, does it change anything 
in Nicodemus to be around Jesus. Because if it changes Nicodemus, it can change us. Now, we have a lot in common with Nicodemus. Now, we might say, nuh-uh, we are not Pharisees. But that might be only if we have some prejudice about who the Pharisees are and if we don't first think about who they were in Jesus' day. We know that Annas and Caiaphas are going to lead Jesus. They're going to lead the charge to Jesus being crucified. But Pharisees in general were a group that were really strict about following God's laws. Now, we're people of grace. We don't need just law, but hold on to that for a second. Would we not hope that our children follow our rules? If you're a parent, the answer is yes, please. By God's grace, can they listen? We do all these things not that dissimilar to the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted people to follow the rules because they thought this is the invitation to righteousness. And if we live a righteous life, we will be closer to God for it. Now, we know that there's a big chasm between that we need Jesus to die for us and to rise again for us because the chasm is too big between us and God's holiness to be bridged by all of our righteous works. But the Pharisees were still on to the best of their day of knowing if I live a righteous life, I'll get a little bit closer to God. What did that make them? It did make them really strict. But also, who would the Pharisees be in your local town? Tell me if this doesn't sound so bad. The Pharisees would be people who went to church regularly. They were regular attenders and worshipers at synagogue. The Pharisees were people who tithed regularly. They gave a portion of their gifts because God's law taught them that the antidote to greed of the human heart was to tithe and to give as a foil to the ways of the world. So the Pharisees would worship regularly. They would tithe faithfully. They would pray prayers of repentance for their sins. This is sounding pretty good. Maybe we should do some of these things. The Pharisees would be good citizens in any city that they would be in. They are those people. And I wonder if some of the smaller lessons, the things that we as people of Jesus view as the smaller lessons of life and faith, are actually the things that the Pharisees got right, but they stopped there instead of viewing it as the foundation through greater transformation to see the kingdom of God as Jesus invites Nicodemus to see. As we celebrated baptism today, we celebrated God's promises. And we we pray for Joanna and Everett to, to grow into understanding of these promises, that they know that they are for them. In the meantime, Kyle and Evie and Jack and Carrie and other family members and others around us, what will we hope for for them? <clears throat> We'll hope that they are brought to church regularly so that they're in the communion of saints. Even in children and worship, we bring an offering to to model this way of life, of, of giving of our gifts. They'll learn how to pray prayers of repentance for their sins. And in many ways, they will be taught to be good citizens of whatever city they are in. In that regard, some of what we do and some of what the Pharisees did is very similar. We want to understand the rules. We want to not lose sight of what they're for. That's the fault of the Pharisees. But we want to know the rules, play by them, and view it as a way to get closer to God. 
but it falls short, doesn't it? We could raise our children in every church across the world to be really good Pharisees. Nicodemus-style Pharisees. They worship, they tithe, they pray prayers of repentance, and they just show up to stuff. But that's what falls short. Jesus is not critiquing all the things that Nicodemus has done. But he's saying, Nicodemus, it's not enough. You haven't crossed over into this bigger vision of life that God has given you. You're staying at the basics and at the surface level instead of getting a deeper dive into life that could be so much more meaningful and fuller. We can raise children to be Pharisees, for sure. But our prayer is that Joanna and Everett and others will not only understand these rhythms of life as important as something that sometimes mom and dad just are going to make you do, but that there's a good reason for it all. And that they're, just by their encounters, going to get it a little bit closer to Jesus. And as flesh gives birth to flesh and habits give birth to habits, there's something else that's important. And this is a challenge maybe for not just the Vandenboshes and Mahers today, but for all of us together to remember whether we've been baptized or whether we're not so sure about that or whatever spot in the faith that you're in. Something important to remember is that Everett and Joanna have to not just understand that mom and dad make us go to church sometimes and that they sometimes check in to see if we behaved on Wednesday night. I'm still a little bit embarrassed that I said Bentley or Barrett. I know it's Bentley and I said Barrett instead. But they have to catch important people in their life being closer to Jesus. They have to catch you, seeing you, that faith is the biggest priority, that being close to Jesus is what matters most. They have to see that because Nicodemus came at night. He didn't want anybody to know that he was getting a little bit closer to Jesus. And we can do all the right things in church. We can do all of the basic Pharisee things just like Nicodemus did. And that all is good and has a point and purpose. But it will fall short if it's only a forced habit, if they don't occasionally catch you. We teach, us, we teach our children to pray. We model prayer in worship and in children in worship and on Wednesday nights. Do we also catch our parents praying, not just at mealtimes, so though that's really good. We got that from the Pharisees too. Pray before every meal as a blessing for the food that God has given you. But do our kids ever catch us praying? Would that be what they would catch us doing and realize this really matters to people that I look up to? Now, it's not about putting everything on display, but it's what they would catch you doing. And does it change us and transform us to want to be a little bit closer to Jesus in everything that we do? The habits can be there, the routines and the patterns can all be there. But it can fall short if we lose sight of what it's all for, which is getting closer to Jesus, of seeing the world differently. Now, there is a story shared earlier this week by um, looking back over <clears throat> what we're pretty sure was a special music piece at at least Carrie's baptism, maybe more, but it was the song Precious Jewels, and that was sung at Carrie's baptism. It's not in the old hymnal, so we're pretty sure it was special music. Kelly, Terry, does this sound right? And then it became 
as Carrie knew it, Carrie's song. The song from her baptism became a lullaby. And the song from the lullabies became, you know, Mom, sing me my song. That's where there's something that's gone beyond just what we do here. And there's something captivating, something drawing us. The same curiosity that Nicodemus had that brought him to Jesus is that same curiosity, why do you sing this song to me? Why are these the words that are stuck in my head? And so Carrie would say, sing my song to me, Mom. Because that song had some connection to being close to Jesus. And that's where flesh has given birth to flesh, but spirit now has also given birth to spirit. There is a longing for a closeness to Jesus. Now, Kyla, Kyle, Caleb, Cody, Katie, I'm wondering if you also had a song too. Maybe I don't know the rest of the story. Maybe you didn't sing, hey, Mom, can you sing me my song? Um, it might have been like, can I play with trucks and tractors a little bit longer before bed? But still, we do well to remember all of the little lessons that the Pharisees had. But it will always fall short if it's not about getting closer to Jesus. And Nicodemus struggles with what Jesus says. He doesn't really get this kingdom vision because Nicodemus in his mind is saying, what I've done and always have done is enough. I am a good person. I go to church regularly. I, I follow the rules and I know what they're all about. They're about getting me close to God. I get all that. And that's where Nicodemus struggles to hear what Jesus is saying. Is He's saying, all the stuff you've done, it's only a little bit of footwork for the greater dance that I want you to have. To be born of water and the Spirit. To be born again. All of this confusing stuff. Nicodemus would know that reference in verse 14 that just as Moses, was, Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Nicodemus, a well studied student of scripture would know that that's when people were getting bitten by snakes. So Moses put a snake on a stick and he raised it up and if you looked at it, you would be saved from your snake bites. Nicodemus knows that story really, really well. He's probably taught about it. But what he doesn't catch yet is that Jesus is talking about himself being raised up on a cross. That those who look towards him will be saved. Nicodemus can't quite get that yet. But I wonder if he does later on. I wonder if he does pick it up. I wonder if this conversation in the dark with Jesus, where he's just trying to catch Jesus secretly, has any long-term effect on him. By a measure of God's grace, we have the rest of Nicodemus's story. It's later in the Gospel of John, John 19 to be specific. This is after Jesus has been crucified. And in John 19, beginning at verse 38, Nicodemus the Pharisee shows up again. Here's how it reads. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, or about 35 kilograms, heavy. 
Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by Nicodemus after Jesus' death. And it's in this moment that we understand that this conversation in John chapter 3 had some effect on Nicodemus. This desire not to just play with the basics, not to just do all the good, right things, but rather to live in understanding that I need to be born again. I need to be transformed. I need to be saved by God's grace. And I can't get there with all of my Pharisee stuff. It has changed Nicodemus that after Jesus' death, he goes and helps Joseph with Jesus' body. At this point, it's public. It's known. And you can't move 35 kilograms of spices around without being caught. 75 pounds. This is all of the stuff for Jewish burial. You don't do that without getting caught. You don't do that without drawing attention to it. But something has changed in Nicodemus by John 19. By this point, Nicodemus still has everything to lose and nothing to gain by being a Jesus person. And yet he does it. He helps Joseph with Jesus' body. Because I think Nicodemus has gone from thinking, following Jesus, I have everything to lose and nothing to gain, has changed now, where he realizes that following Jesus means he has everything to gain and nothing to lose. And so he shows up to help with Jesus' body, giving Jesus dignity after all of the injustice that had been served. This conversation in John 3 was the seed that was planted that of all of the fertile soil of Nicodemus's good Pharisee habits, true transformation has grown. What are the seeds that we plant, even in good Nicodemus Pharisee soil? Good habits, worship, prayer, coming together, these are all good things. This is the soil in which we plant the seeds of transformation. That it's not just about the stuff that we do, but that it is about growing closer to Christ. So regardless of what type of family you came from, pay attention to the soil that you were planted in. Maybe it was rich soil with all of the right stuff to grow. Maybe not. Maybe it was a bit rocky, a bit sandy. And yet, Jesus would scatter the seed to all the different types of soil in hopes that we would grow to be more like him and to follow Christ, even to his very death. Nicodemus is one more character, and maybe one that we can relate to more than we should. He's a good kid. He's well-behaved. But ultimately, it's in John 19 that we understand that Nicodemus has decided that this stuff of Jesus is more than just information for him to know. It's more than just another habit for him to follow but it's something that will change his life. And from there, it seems that Nicodemus did pick up on John 3, 16. That for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen.
Let's pray. God, we pray that we, like Nicodemus, can take all of our habits and all of our efforts, all of the time in worship and in prayer that we spend, and view it as the soil in which our true transformation can grow. Lord, change us and transform us. Give us that same life-giving spirit where we are born, not only of flesh to flesh, but of water and the spirit. That we may view your activity in our life like the wind that blows wherever it pleases. That we hear its sound, but we can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. May you change us and transform us to be more like that that we can follow you wherever you go, and that we will know that this isn't just information, but that this is about us being saved by you. Lord, for all of the things that we do throughout Lent, but throughout all of our lives, help each piece to draw us a little bit closer to you, Jesus. That we, like Nicodemus, can go from being quiet, secret, and hidden about following you being out in the open, knowing that we have everything to gain and nothing to lose by following you wherever you go. Lord, you are enough for Nicodemus, and you are enough for us.